rest of you turn in your Bible to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Don't stand yet. Just turn to that text. Psalm 127. Uh, I found in Reader's Digest a little article that said this. uh, Will come and oil your sewing machine and release the tension in your home for one dollar. Did you hear that? Will come and oil your sewing machine and release the tension in your home for one dollar. I doubt that could really happen, could it? To relieve the tension that we find in our homes. There was a show on television about rebellious teenagers. And the dad said, what a mess we've got ourselves in. Where did we go wrong? And the wife said, we had kids. Okay? Enough, enough for the jokes. We're, we're not uh, about joking. I, this morning I want to talk to you about a situation that we f- find ourselves in in the United States. In case you didn't know it, uh, the American family is under attack and we are in a bad way right now. Right? You know, in my generation, and I, I'm sure I grew up in a sheltered home where I didn't see uh, horrible things across the world. Uh, we, don't, we didn't have the internet like we do today. We didn't have news uh, on every uh, device. We didn't even have a device when we were growing up, right? We just saw the morning and the evening news, and that was about it. It was about our community. So we were really blind to the fact of what was happening around the world. But now we can see around the world, and, and now we see that America looks just like the rest of the world, except we still call ourselves the greatest nation in the world. So it's not the fact that we have children that's the problem. It's the fact that we're not raising them to God's biblical standard. And so I'm sure it didn't start just in my generation. I'm sure it's begin. In a lot of generations, man, I, I was the worst parent uh, that you could imagine until I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that I became a great parent then. It just means that I began to change the way that I raised my kids. Before I met the Lord, Gail and I, were, we were glad to send our kids off to church on the church bus. Get a mommy and daddy's day out, right? Or mommy and daddy's go to dinner now without any kids. And, and that's sometimes the approach of people today. We want to send our kids to church, but we don't want to take them, and we don't want church to be a part of our life. We just want our kids to grow up and know about Jesus Christ. And you know what? That just doesn't work. It just does not work. Your kids come to church, maybe, and they learn about God, but when they go home, they learn a lot more by watching you, then they learn about what their teacher tells them in Sunday school. And so we, we've got a problem. We, we've, got to, we've got to change some things in our society, and, and it starts right here with us. You know, I heard a, a man say the, the solution to the high chair starts, I mean, the solution to the electric chair starts in the high chair. And, and that's very true. We, we have to learn how to be good people, how to be uh, good citizens, how to know what's right and what's wrong, how to live honestly and, and truthfully with each other. And so Psalm 127 and 128 lay out a blueprint for God's 
plan of raising the family. No way can we cover all these this morning. So we're going to cover 127 this morning. We're going to cover 128 tonight. It's a blueprint of how God would have us to raise our family. Now, I know seated right here, there's probably plenty of hurting parents right now. I'm one of those. I have, I have children that aren't walking with the Lord. I have children that I, I put extra prayers on every day so that they would come to know Jesus Christ. I've had children that have made bad decisions. I have children that are living in those bad decisions right now. And I know that there's probably some of you in that same way. A preacher has to walk a very fine line, right? He has to comfort the afflicted and he has to afflict the comfortable. And so today, I don't want to afflict the afflicted. I don't want to make it worse for you if you're suffering with the rebellious child. I know that happens. And a lot of times it's not your fault. You know, as parents growing older and our kids have grown and left the home, we, we deal with some guilt, right? We deal with true guilt and we deal with false guilt. True guilt. I made mistakes. I did things wrong. I have to deal with that. So how do I deal with true guilt? I go to the Lord. I confess my failures as a parent, my sin as a parent, and then I pick up and I move forward. False guilt. Some of you did everything right. You did the best you could do as a parent. You tried to teach and correct and steer them the right way, and when they got out of the house, they went the wrong direction. That's not your fault. You, you gave them a stable, firm foundation in church or whatever the case may be, and they've gone away from God, and so now you're dealing with guilt. Let me tell you something. That's false guilt. False guilt doesn't come from God. False guilt comes from the accuser of the brethren. And that would be the devil. So how do you deal with false guilt? You push it aside. God's dealt with the true guilt in your life. If you made mistakes as a parent and you made wrong behaviors and decisions, you come to the Lord, you confess that, and you pick up your life and you move forward. You've taken it to the Lord. False guilt is not from God. You just have to get rid of it. The devil's accusing you of things that you had no control over. It's not your doing. It's your child's choice. You had a choice to make when you left the home, right? And a lot of times we, we make bad choices, but a lot of times there are good people who make good choices. You cannot work on building a godly home until you deal with true guilt God's way. You cannot build a godly home until you start dealing with the mistakes that you've made as a parent and the failures you've committed and the sin in your life. You can't Build a godly home yourself until you deal with that guilt, and that's really conviction. God doesn't, we are guilty, but God deals with that guilt by convicting us, and we take it to Him at the cross, and we lay it down, and God takes it, and, and He deals with it for us. Jesus Christ came to die for our sin. So, sometimes uh, parents have a wayward children, and that's just the way that it is. And so we have to move on. Now, I want to talk to you about today. Maybe this doesn't fit you, this message today. You don't have kids. 
Maybe you've never married. Maybe you uh, uh, haven't had any children. Whatever the case may be, I, I think that even though the message may not be directed at you, you can take what you learned today and pass it on. You can help somebody else out with this message of God. The American family, we're under attack. Where are we going to find the answers? We're going to find them right here in the Scripture. This is where we find the answers to every issue of life. This is where we find that the Scripture says of itself, it is profitable for teaching, for reproving, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So we find that the Bible teaches us that this is good for us to have. So today, let's pray right now and ask God to apply this scripture to our life that we can build godly homes wherever we go and wherever we are. Let's pray. Father, bless your word today and speak to our hearts through it and give us direction and wisdom, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand now and read these two short psalms. The total of 11 verses, all right, beginning in Psalm 127. God gives us the foundation in Psalm 128. God gives us the building material. So let's look at the foundation of a building, a godly and biblical home. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Let's stop there at the end of the message, right? No, I'm kidding. But it's true. Unless God builds a house, we who labor in it, we do it in vain. Verse 2. Now he goes on in verse 1. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Verse 1 of 128, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, you may see your children's children Peace be upon Israel. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So our text tells us in Psalm 127 that to build a biblical home depends upon the blessing of God. Three times does Solomon, by the way, Solomon wrote these uh, psalms. Solomon uh, writes to us and he says that he uses the word vain, which means worthless, which means empty. He uses that three times in Psalm 128, 27, excuse me, and he uses two times, unless the Lord, unless the Lord does it, useless. Unless the Lord does it, it's in vain. So, you know, we, we uh, are raised in this country, and, and I believe it's proper that we take care of ourselves, and that we make a way uh, for ourselves, and then we provide for our family, and we do the best that we can do for our family. And so we want to build a, a godly home. We want to uh, provide for them 
with everything they need. Uh, sometimes uh, parents say, I want to give kids everything that I, I didn't have. And I heard Adrian Rogers the other day say, that's a great thing to do. But he said, better than that, give them everything you did have. Did you have discipline in your home growing up? You better believe we did. Did you have uh, integrity in your home? You better believe that we had integrity in our home. Did you have chores to do in your home? Yes, I had chores. Sin. We don't just say, I want to give my kids everything I didn't have. Give them everything you did have too. Amen? And so when we think about that, we as a society of people, we grow up with the concept of making our way and doing things uh, the best that we can do. And that goes to building my family. And so I take the primary role in building my family. Now I'm in trouble. Because verse 1 tells me, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds my home, I can labor and I can work and I can strive until I drop dead and it will be in vain. Why? Because I can work hard and I can try to do the best I can do, but if God does not bless my home, it is empty. It is vain. It is worthless. So in order for us to have a godly, biblical home, God has to bless that. Right? Think about this. The um, disciples are going out with Jesus and He's going to uh, lead them and there's a crowd of people following and they come to the hill where Jesus is going to celebrate the Sermon on the Mount and as they get out there, this crowd of people and they're hungry, and Jesus says, well, is there anything to eat? And everybody says, no, we can't find anything to eat. We're going to have to send them back to town. And uh, Andrew, I believe, says, hey, here's a little boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. And he's going to feed 5,000 men plus the women and children. That's inadequate, is it not? It's inadequate to bring that to Jesus and think that you can, you can build your house with your wisdom and your energy and your purpose. But here's what happens. Jesus took those two fish and five loaves, and the Bible says when he blessed it and broke it. He blessed it and he broke it. And all of a the sudden, there was enough to feed everyone to the full with 12 baskets remaining. Bushel baskets, by the way. And so, unless God blesses your home, all of your efforts are in vain. That's what Solomon is telling you. So, yeah, it's important for me to, to work hard and to do my best to build my home and to, to make it a place of godliness and all of that stuff. But unless God is part of it, it won't work. You can't have it that way. You know, we, we put ourselves in front and we regulate God to a secondary role in our life, in our home building, in our house building. I look back on my life and, and that's exactly what I was doing as a parent. I, I, was, I was, even after I became a Christian, I was wanting my house to come into order and, and come into a godliness. But all of my effort wasn't making it happen. It wasn't until I prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to bless my home, that that blessing began to come upon my home and things began to change in my life. I had tried to do it myself and I put God 
on the back burner. Man, I needed him in front leading the way and me following, right? Not me leading him. And so I would give God the tip of the hat every morning. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done in my life. And I would give him a half-hearted thanks. And then I end up robbing him of glory in my home because Clay's making it a godly home. Clay's going out and working his fingers to the bone to provide for my family. Clay's doing this and Gail's doing that. And God, thanks God for all that you do. Man, we had the wrong approach. God builds the house. God builds the home. Unless I'm allowing that to happen, I'm building it in vain. So, the thing that I need to do is understand this. An old German proverb says, Many children make for many prayers. And many prayers make for many blessings. So you need to start praying that God would build your home. That God would be in charge. That God would be in control. You know, it's great to go out and work hard to build your home. We are to be diligent in guarding our home and, and protecting our children. We are supposed to make sacrifices to provide for them by working hard. Yes, we are to do all of that. But if God's blessing's not on that, then I'm wasting my time. Because it won't be a godly place unless I ask God to bless my home. It's important that you see that today. Seeking God's blessing is to understand God's grace. Right? To, to build a biblical home depends on God's blessing. To seek God's blessing, I need to understand God's grace. Parents, don't confuse the grace that God gives you with hang loose living. Alright? Grace is not a license to do what you want to do. And your kids commit wrong and then you come to them and you give them only grace with no standard to meet, then you're creating a monster. If you only give your children grace and don't require that they meet a standard in your life, in your home, you're creating a monster. You don't just keep forgiving and forgiving and letting them off the hook. There has to be a standard. God is the most gracious being that we know. Amen? And yet at the same time, God has a standard that has to be met. The commandments. So God holds you accountable to the commandments. And when you fail, He'll give you grace. But He says, this is the way I want you to live. This is what you have to accomplish. This is the goal I have for you. So when your children come and you let them off the hook and let them off the hook and you don't make them meet a standard in your family, then you're creating a monster. And what you need to do is say, meet this standard. And when you're trying to meet that standard and you slip and fall, here's my grace. Amen? Here is my grace. That's the way God did it to us. That's the way God wants you to do it. To have a biblical family means that you have to meet a standard. Now, here's the issue with that standard. It's not only for your children, it's for you. Kids can smell a hypocrite a mile away. Amen? And guess what? It stinks. Hypocrisy stinks. And you say your kids got to do this, but you won't do it. You're a hypocrite. And they can smell that a mile away. But guess what? Grace 
is attractive. One thing I notice about kids that come to the church on Wednesday nights, uh, the kids that don't have parents that come and bring them, they're just sent on the bus or however that works out. Most of those kids, when you get on to them about something, you would think that they would turn and run away. But you know what happens? They run too. How does that work? Why is that? Because a kid needs somebody to care about him. And if you care about his or her behavior and you call them out on it, they take notice of that. And they desire that grace in their life. And they come to you. They don't run away from you. Hypocrisy smells. Grace is attractive. Amen? Think about it, Mom and Dad. Hold the standard. It goes for you too. Don't let it switch between children and parents. And that grace that you can give then will be attractive to them. And they'll come closer to knowing Christ that way than they would by just sending them off to Sunday school yourself. Don't stop building, don't stop watching, and don't stop working, but understand one other thing. Seeking God's blessing, we understand the difference between faith and works. Now, I can say, okay, Brother Clay said that I don't need to do anything and that God will do it all. That's an excuse for you to do nothing. Brother Clay didn't say that. Brother Clay didn't say stop working and stop striving and stop... uh, Uh, laboring in your home and don't sit back on your laurels and expect God to do everything. You see, there's a difference or there's a balance between works and grace. Amen? Between works and grace. And so God gives us grace and we also work. There's a difference between the two, but they also are the same. I, I, I should say between faith and works. Not necessarily grace. James writes a lot about that in his book, The Difference Between Faith and Works, and they balance together. They go together. They are compatible together. So you can't sit back and send your kid to church and think he's going to turn out okay because it won't happen that way. As I said earlier, he'll come home and he'll watch you. And he'll follow your example more than he will understand the teaching that he might receive at the church. We, to build a godly home, a biblical home, have to have a balance between the two. So, I can trust in the Lord. I can continue to work. Remember, I've used this phrase to you before in the past. When there's a problem in your life, what do you do? You pray hard and you row for shore. Right? When you're in the storm, you pray hard and you row for shore. You keep working, you keep striving, but you start to trust in the Lord and you lean upon Him and His leadership. It's not doing nothing that will gain you a godly and biblical home. It is working hard at it, but it is trusting God to the utmost in it. And let Him lead you and you follow in that way. Seeking God's blessing, we need to understand a balance between work and home. We talked about works and faith. Let's talk about work and home. Amen? Now, it's vain for you to pour yourself into your career, Dad. It's emptiness for you to do that. And then you say, I've got to provide for my family. These kids on Wednesday night are sent to church. 
Some of them will run up and hug your neck and hug your leg, won't they, teachers? Why is that? I'll tell you why, because they don't get it at home. They need affection. And if they got to come to this church to get affection, there's plenty of affection around here to get. We'll hug those necks. And we'll tell them that we love them. But those kids need that. So when mom and dad are off busy doing other things or busy in their career and they're not giving the attention to the children, the children are suffering because of that. You may, your kids may be grown now and you can't do anything about that. You can start today. You know, I, I knew my dad loved me, but I never heard my dad say it until I was a teenage boy, almost a man. Before I heard my dad say, I, I'm, not, I'm not shaming my dad because of that. I'm just telling you that's, that's society. That's the way we, we live here in America. Uh, if I'm going to whip your tail, it's going to be hard for me to tell you that I love you at the same time. Or the phrase, uh, just before you got whipped, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. I didn't believe a word of that, right? He wasn't getting whippings. I was getting whippings. And so understand that dads, your daughter... She needs affection from you. If she doesn't find affection from you, you know what's going to happen? She's going to go out and find affection from another male. It'll be somebody her age, but she'll find that affection because that's how a woman, a young girl is wired. If you're not hugging on your daughter and loving on her, then you are making a big mistake. She needs that. If she didn't get it from you, she'll find it somewhere. And that's the problem today. Dads aren't hugging on their daughters. Dads aren't loving them, telling them that they love them. Too many careers are uh, valued more than the time spent with their children. You know, I don't know anybody who is 65 years old and started on their Social Security retirement and they said this, I wish I had spent more time at work. I don't know one person that's ever said that. But I do hear people say, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids when I had the chance to be with them, when I had the opportunities, when I had the time to spend and be with my children. A biblical home, it depends upon the blessing of God. Ask God to bless your time. Ask God to bless your home. Ask God to bless your career and put all that together, God, and let me raise my home and my children in a biblical way. That's verses 1 and 2. Verse 3 through 5 then talk about a, a biblical home enjoys the blessing of godly children. Let's read those verses again. Verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. You know, the Bible says here that children are a gift and a reward. Not a burden and not an interruption. Amen? Children are not an interruption in your life. They are a gift from God. So you need to tell them that. You need to make sure your kids know that they are a blessing from the Lord. So every day you should say something along these lines. I wanted you to know that I thank God every day for you being in my life. You know what that can do to a child? It can change their world to hear their mom or their dad say that they're a blessing from God to the parent. Wow! 
What could happen to a child and his outcome and, and his... I'm not telling you to build his esteem. I'm telling you to build his Christian character so that he knows he came from God. That he's not a mistake. That he's not a surprise. That he came from God and God blessed mom and dad with me. Wow, what a difference that could make in a child's life. Let them know that, okay? It's not just to say it, it's to show it, right? To hug that child, to, to, to take time with them. It's more important to be with them than it is anything else. So when a child thinks that, my dad would rather be with me than do anything else in his life. That will rock their world and change their life. But when dad is off doing other things, when this kid has got an activity or this kid's got an event or this kid's got this, you know, there's one thing I couldn't stand with my kids was going to music recitals because none of them could play, right? But we all cheered them on and we all were excited as they got up there and banged on the piano or strummed on a guitar and made a racket. It wasn't enjoyable. But I would go to those things because I wanted my kids to know they were important to me. Right? So dads, you need to take time with that. You need to make sure that that's happening. That will build godly children in your home. How blessed is the home who has godly children in it? You know what absent fathers are uh, telling a child? That they have been rejected. Dad, when you're absent, mom, when you're absent from them, you're telling them in a roundabout way they're rejected. They're not important. They're not necessary in your life. So, a mom's not meant to do it all alone. I, I, I say this a lot because uh, I mentioned our society is crumbling and our family home is under attack. You realize why? Because there are so many fatherless homes. There are so many mothers raising kids on their own. Moms weren't wired for that. Moms weren't made to do that. Moms were made to love on them and to encourage them and help them. Dads were made to discipline and correct and train and push. Moms weren't made for that. So that's why we have so many people now living with mom. Because there was nobody to push them out of the nest and encourage them on the way and to help them along the path. And so it takes a balance. Tell them you love them. Show them that you love them. Now God goes on to say to have godly children requires action. Look in verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Uh, That's a weird analogy, isn't it? But let's talk about that. Did... uh, People go around back in the days before guns with bows and arrows and just find arrows laying around on the ground? Of course not. An arrow was constructed out of a straight piece of wood and and a rock that was sharpened into an arrowhead point and then feathers were applied and it was decorated, it was sanded on, it it took a lot of work to make an arrow back in that day. Effort, right? So when you think of it like that, Read verse 4 again. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. He is to take those children and to shape them. 
Decorate them. Sharpen them. Make sure they're right. Put them together correctly. Do whatever it takes with an arrow. Do that to your child to send him out into this world. You can't just expect them to grow up and for them to come out a godly human being. They have to be shown. They have to be taught. They have to be shaped. They have to be used. They have to be taken seriously. Arrows that are shot haphazardly are useless. Arrows that are left in the quiver are useless. We don't want to have those left in our quiver. We don't want to shoot them around anywhere. Where would we shoot a child raised in a godly home? Right at the gate of hell. That's where you would shoot your kids. You would shoot them out into the world against the enemy, right? And you would raise them in a godly way and you would have them godly children. And when they became the age to leave the home, you would draw back the bow of faith with your arms and you would let them children go out into the world against the enemy. That's what is being decided here in our text. These children are like arrows in the quiver. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, I'll say this about it. When you have children, they become a handful before they become a quiver full. Right? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. But guess what? That's what you're supposed to do. It's not about your job. Oh, you got to provide and you got to do all that. Yeah, I know those are important, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that child. I kick myself every time I think about sending my kids on that church bus to church while I would sit at home and do nothing. You know, that was before I came to Christ. When I came to Christ, I started taking my kids. But before that, I would send them. And, and I hate that about myself. Gail and I have talked about that. Watching the van pull up, our kids get on the bus, and off to church they would go, and we would sit around and do whatever we did. It's important that you teach your children. That's the most opportune moment in your life. The most important thing that you can have is to build those godly children in your life, and that makes your home a godly home. And that is a blessing, my friend, to have that. Now, he also adds there in verse 5, they will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. Who won't be ashamed? The man or the children? Either one. When you raise your children in a godly way and they become godly people, guess what happens? They go out into the world and they are people of integrity. And nobody can talk them down. Nobody can shame you because of your kids. Why? Because they're people of integrity. When people look at your children being raised in your home in a godly way, when they get out in the world, nobody will have anything ugly to say. They can speak to their enemies without being ashamed. Amen? They are people of integrity. That's the goal of God for you. To raise your home, your children, in a godly way such that they would become people of integrity in Christian men and women. Now, God gave us a foundation today, this morning. Tonight, at 6 o'clock, we're going to look at the next chapter. And we're going to look at the 
building materials that God's given us to accomplish this godly home. So I hope that you can come tonight. Uh, David's going to come and lead us in a song of invitation after my prayer. Maybe you need to pray about something in your life that's happening with your kids. This is a great opportunity for you to start fresh, to start anew, to make a turn in the road, to do something different. And here, I want you to hear me. You can blame all of that change on Brother Clay to your kids. Okay? When you go home and you make these changes, one change could be this. We're going to start praying every time before we take a meal together. You could make this change. Before we get into bed, we're going to get the Bible out and we're going to read it together as a family. You're going to put down your iPad, you're going to put down your phone, and you're going to come in here and we're going to read and discuss the Bible. And the kids will say, oh my gosh. And you can say, Brother Clay said so. All right? I'm giving you that freedom to do that. I want you to do that. I want your kids to come to me Wednesday night or next Sunday and complain to me about that. All right? I would love to hear that because then I know something's happening in your house. Amen? Let's do that. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing on this congregation of people as we have looked in your word and you've given us great wisdom and a fine example, Father, of how we can build and develop a biblical home in our own family. I pray, Lord, that we would take these words seriously. And that we would know that when we send our kids out into the world, they can stand on their own two feet. Let me rephrase that, Father. When we send our kids out into the world, they can stand on Jesus Christ. And He will take them all the way through. And they will be a light in a dark world. Father, give us, give our homes in this church that blessing and that opportunity that as we move out into the world that we would shine brightly for you and that we would be a light for those around us to find Jesus Christ to themselves. And we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen.